It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, and you are listening to the sweetest sounds, the sultry tones, the boisterous boys, the Joint Practices Podcast. Get it, fellas. Yo! Welcome to episode 42 of the Joint Practices Podcast. We are live on the recording. Just a two-man weave tonight. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter, at 11thegoat. And my buddy from another muddy joining me live from his own home, Mr. Super Sticky Steve Knox on the Twitter bird. At the Knox is in my perfect robot voice. <laughs> I did not use my robot voice. Uh, super, uh... Super exciting. We have passed the halfway mark of the preseason, so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. It's going to get real exciting. We have real football in three weeks. Crazy. Three weeks! (laughs) (laughs) All right, Soupy, let's get into this because I'm excited. And I have to tell you, this episode, episode 42, is unofficially sponsored by Shipyard Brewing Company's Pumpkinhead, because in my hand right now is my first Pumpkinhead of the season. It's the best pumpkin beer in the whole world, and I can't believe it's happening. Like I've got some leaves in my yard that have started to change color, but I hate how these beer companies like push the seasons on you. Mm, my God, but it's Pumpkinhead. It's so worth it. Yeah. There's a pumpkin pie literally in my fridge. <laughs> we, uh... It was like March. We went out to to eat at Gilbert's Chowder House, which sounds like something you would make out. Gilbert's Chowder House, yeah. guy. And I was like, yeah, what's the same season? And they're like, summer. And I was like, it's fucking March. Like, why? Like, let us enjoy summer. Like, these all these pumpkin sluts out here putting all their stuff out. It's like, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. We're not done yet. It's still warm. It's still 90 degrees outside. Like. Pumpkin head okay. is meant to warm your insides when you're freezing your ass off. Well, it's warm in my insides right now. <laughs> For those of you who don't know the beer tolerance of one Sean Lamont, by the end of this podcast, I should be pretty ripe. <laughs> Can't wait. Bart Scott. <laughs> Anyways, I'm excited. I got a pumpkin head. We got some football to talk about. So let's get right into it because it wouldn't be the Joint Practices podcast, the podcast for fans, by fans, if we didn't talk about drama in Dallas. So today, I get the alert on my phone. You know, I got a little smartwatch here, so it pops up, cowboy sign, and then I see extension, and I'm like, ooh, which one of the three is it? It's not Dak. It's not Zeke. It's not Amari Cooper. And it's not even one of their star defensive backs who's also eligible for a deal, Byron Jones. Nope. It's linebacker Jalen Smith. $64 million. I believe half of that is guaranteed over five years. What? I mean, I'm a fan (laughs) of the the signing. I am too, but... um, I know Vander Esch was only a rookie last year, but he's still a better linebacker. That seems like 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, they make a good tandem, but Smith's knee injury, you know, that was a severe injury. It took him like two years to get back to form. So that would, you know, that would scare me a little bit. This just seems like a lot of money to be handing out when you have those other three, four, if you count Byron Jones, you know, pivotal pieces of your team that all need to be paid. Yeah, it's, I mean, the Vander Esch thing, though, is just what you said. Still on his rookie deal, so they have to get as much out of that as they can. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. If if he stays healthy, it's, I mean, just really locks down the, the core of your defense. So He's now the fifth highest paid linebacker in the league. Who, who are the other ones? I'm not sure. I just know no. that the article stated he was now the fifth highest paid. But still, I... If I'm Vander Esch, I'm licking my chops because if I have, you know, three more seasons, at even if it's at the same level he's playing at now, he's going to be asking for more than that. Oh, yeah, load it out. So, still no Dak deal, still no Zeke deal, still no Cooper, still no Byron Jones. But let's move on to Zeke because this thing between him and the Cowboys is just getting worse by the day. Jerry Jones just can't help flapping his gums. He's making one preseason game by Tony Pollard sound like he rushed for 2,000 yards. And his little Zeke who comment. Come on, guy. Grow up. Isn't Jerry Jones is just like peeing on everybody's feet and telling them that it's raining right now? That's literally what he's doing. Like, he's just souring this for himself and the Cowboys. And if you're a Cowboys fan, like, you want Zeke to be there. You know he's going to help your team win. And when you watch the owner of your team just, like, shit on them trying to make a deal, and he, he makes these little stabs and these little comments, and then he goes, you know, oh, no, no, and they're just joking aside. Like, no, you don't say those things. Like, that's very unprofessional, especially from, you know, a billionaire owner of a football team like it, it it's so bad <laughs> it's such it. it sets a bad precedent too because other free agents are seeing this and why would they want to go to Dallas like this is how the owner treats you the owner who is also the GM by the way right so that makes it even worse like you wonder why they haven't won a Super Bowl in 20 plus years this guy just, he can't get out of his own way. I swear to God, if he hired a real GM and just stepped back, they probably would have won a Super Bowl by now. They had the pieces in place, you know, some decent pieces they could have built around, you know, seven, eight years ago. Plus, they had that stellar offensive line they just couldn't capitalize with. Yep. But they're just getting themselves into predicament after predicament because the guy. You know, he can't handle the salary cap. He can't handle players. You know, these guys are professional athletes. A lot of these guys' egos come with the territory. It's what makes them who they are. And he just can't handle it. He lets it get out of control. He makes these high school drama comments to the public. Like, if I'm Zeke, you know what? At this point, I don't want to play for Dallas anymore. Send me anywhere. This is stupid. Yep. Waste of both their times at this point. Unreal. But we'll move on then because, Steve, I got some great news for you because 
I have found the Vikings a new kicker. I think I know who it is. We don't need Dan Bailey. We don't need Vedvik. Did you see what happened today at the Eagles-Ravens joint practice? Carly Lloyd? Carly Lloyd nails a 55-yard field goal. The U.S. woman soccer player? Hey, um, if I'm the Vikings GM, I'm calling her up. You know how... You know how many jerseys she would sell, first of all? Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> the press coverage. Oh, my God. You would set the first woman to play in the NFL. The Vikings would become the darlings of every female who doesn't have a rooting interest. Oh, yeah, right. A lot of pink catters like, out there. Oh, my God. There's a woman playing football. Like, I would root for her. Oh, yeah. Except when I mean, she plays the Eagles and... They block the kick, and they lose. I think uh, there are probably a lot of those women on that team that could uh, really compete for kicking jobs in the NFL right now. No kidding, right? Good Lord. She freaking booted that thing, too. That was good from five yards more. I've tried to kick field goals before, and I I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. Just never been able to get the, the rhythm of the kick. And, uh, I could do it in high school. I haven't tried in a very long time. So it's impressive from somebody who that's not their, you know, really their go-to. Like, yeah, it's a she, completely she kicks different balls. ball. Yeah, she kicks balls for a living, but you change the shape of it and the goal that you're actually going after. Uh, that was it was real impressive to watch. Right now, Matt Nagy is scrambling to find her phone number. <laughs> you want to go to dinner? <laughs> the Bears cut yet another kicker, by the way. I forgot to uh, put that on there, but I swear Doug Peterson has ruined his life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or Trayvon Hester's fingertips have ruined his life because they've had like six kickers since the Cody Parkey double doing. Uh, we're not even in the season yet. Yeah, the whole NFC North has just gone through their kicking struggles as of late, so must be something in the air up there. And Steven's not here tonight, which is a bummer. Steven, we miss you at StevenJPP on the Twitter bird. Tell him that you miss him too, if you're listening. Are you listening? Anybody? Bueller? I'm listening. Oh, okay. This is Steven's favorite part of the podcast. Let's get to the Antonio Brown drama update. Boom, 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 boom. Every drama. Blonde mustache. <laughs> So, A.B. showed up to practice today, and he was wearing the league-approved helmet. Oh, congratulations, A.B. You put the helmet on. Jesus Christ, guy. He was given the ultimatum the other day by Mike Mayock to be all in or all out. So, it looks like he wants his $63 million or whatever it is. Didn't he also file a new grievance yesterday? He did file a new grievance, yep. He just can't get over it, but he, he's going to wear the helmet. I hope they force him to play in the preseason game coming up because that would just be the ultimate. Dude, shut up and play football. Put the helmet on. It's really not that big of a deal. And I think those Mayot comments, too, really shows that Antonio Brown is a Gruden guy. Like, it was John Gruden that was like, we need to go get this guy. Yep. Because if it was Mayock's decision, you know, you're not going to step up and uh, bark at a guy like that, like, you know, the best you're part was give that the video. Of the doubt. Yeah, that video was put out by the Raiders. Like it wasn't 
you know, shot by a beat reporter and just posted. The Raiders Twitter put that video out. Uh. That was definitely a like a solid message. Like, we're not going to take your crap. You want to play football here? Let's go. We got work to do. Uh, HBO is just rubbing their hands together right now. They're like, oh my god, watch the ratings up. Yeah, watch the ratings go up, baby. All right, so that's all the uh, news outside of the JPP teams I got. Was there anything you wanted to add in there? No, I don't believe so, no. All right, well, then I'm going to start this off with some Eagles talk then. I've been itching to talk. Preseason week two complete, and joint practices are here because the Ravens and the Eagles have been having joint practices the last two days, and I've heard nothing but good things. From Carson Wentz, he's looking good. He's looking sharp. Uh, the first day of joint practices, they said he had like a fifty percent completion percentage, but that was in like red zone drills, where they were you know short and field compact. And the Ravens' defense is really good, like really good. So it wasn't a real game situation. You didn't have the you know everything that goes into the game. So you got to take the stats and info coming out from the beat reporters with a grain of salt. So you know some guys have a narrative whether they're uh, they're still the Carson Wentz guys and the Nick Foles guys. There's still people that believe Nick Foles should be here and Carson shouldn't. I'm not getting into that because that is stupid. Carson is our guy. But who is here? The new backup, 41-year-old Josh McCown. Holy crap. That they guy's signed old. him out of the... Uh television booth <laughs> yep apparently this has um been something that had been going on for multiple weeks before he ended up signing all along it sounded like mccown was going to end up somewhere but he didn't want to go through the summer <laughs> he didn't yeah. want to do training camp he didn't want double practices all that nonsense he's it's like i'm 40 years old i'm gonna spend the summer with my family and if somebody wants to pay me two million dollars to hold a clipboard i'm gonna do it which is exactly what he will be doing. He's going to be holding a clipboard. Like, Carson is going to stay healthy. I'm 100% positive. I'm going to believe that until he actually breaks in half. There's no reason to be like, Carson's going to get hurt. That's stupid. That's a stupid way to think. So Josh McCown, you got to look at it from Sudfeld is out. Through week three, maybe week four of the regular season. God forbid Carson, you know, takes a bad hit. You know, he's got to come out for, you know, a quarter or rest of a game. Did you really want Cody Kessler or Clayton Thorson to actually have to play meaningful snaps? Of course not. You know, McCown, you know, he's not going to go out there and Aaron Rodgers light you up. But he's competent enough to get you through the rest of a game. You know, not screw up. You, I would feel comfortable with someone like McCown running the offense. If we're up by a score or down by a score, there's no reason why McCown can't get the team in scoring position. Someone like Doug, who has the ability to put guys in position where their strengths really shine, I have no reason to doubt that Doug could make McCown look almost Nick Folesian. So, yeah, this it's kind of a kind of a go ahead. 
yeah, he's, you know, he's that savvy veteran and they just have so much talent all over the place on offense that, you know, you plug him in there and it's all right, let's run these plays that he's comfortable with and, you know, just try to build a drive, you know, get something going, see what he can do. So I, like you said, I would have way more confidence in him than, you know, the other two guys they have right now. And I mean, he has a rapport with Alshon Jeffrey. They played together at the bear with the bears and he was a favorite target of McCown's there. So I like the signing. He's got $2 million salary. That's guaranteed. Um, I do think this is kind of a, a shitty situation for Sudfeld though. Cause when Sudfeld comes back, I still think McCown's going to be the number two. Which sucks because Sudfeld looked good in the one half he got the play in. I mean, he's been working hard all summer. They've been grooming him to be the backup. And this is the last year of his deal. So he'll be a free agent. I fully believe he'll get a deal somewhere to, you know, at least compete to be a starter because I think he has starter traits. So it kind of sucks because A, he wasn't able to put much on tape. And like when he's out there, I enjoy watching him play. Even if it's preseason, like he's he's got that almost Carson push the ball down the field mentality. He's not afraid to put the ball up. He's not afraid to throw downfield. I mean, he had a lot going for him. And I think this deal probably gets done even if he didn't get hurt. But I have a feeling if he didn't get hurt, McCown or whoever they would have signed would have come in knowing you're an emergency number three. Right. Like. You're just somebody who's probably going to be inactive, but if you know something happens to Sudfeld or Wentz at practice in a game, you're going to be up. Yeah, and the uh, the injury was you know it's terrible, terrible timing, and you hate to see it. But sometimes these things happen, and it ends up working out for the better. Like you said, you know maybe he winds up somewhere where he's able to battle for a starting job, and who knows, maybe takes off. So. I have also heard the idea floated around that once he is healthy, um, he could be a trade target. Teams that you know want to pick him up this year before the deadline and then have the ability to negotiate with him before he hits free agency or even franchise him. And a team I would look out for would be the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, they're going to need a quarterback. <laughs> I don't think the Jameis Winston experiment is going to last too much longer. And... You put Sudfeld in an offense where he can air it out to Mike Evans. That's just, I mean, that sounds like a recipe for success to me. And yeah, just speaking of like teams that are probably going to need quarterbacks, uh, as far as the preseason's gone so far, Miami's quarterback play has been terrible. So maybe a landing spot somewhere in Florida for him. Could be, could be. And I just wanted to bring something up. I don't know if you remember, before the preseason started, we did our hot takes for each team. And I oh, mentioned... Yeah. Just fudged them. <laughs> <laughs> I made a, per, a hot take that the Eagles' young defensive ends were really going to you know, make a splash and really show up. And it's going to set some high expectations for them when the season starts. And let me tell you, Deshaun Hall and Josh Sweat have been great. Deshaun Hall has pretty much come out of nowhere. As of now, he leads the preseason, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but he leads the NFL preseason with sacks, tackles for losses, and quarterback hurries. 
Dude, that's dope. And with Joe Osman going down, I think Deshaun Hall has either played his way onto this roster or he is going to be so valuable that teams are going to be coming for him at at roster cuts. They're going to be trading for him. Josh Sweat has been great. He's shown that he can be that fourth defensive end in a rotation. The more I watch these two young guys play, the more excited I get for the young talent they have on the defensive line because the last few years we've had the Chris Longs, Connor Barwins, Michael Bennett's, and now we got all the young guys, Derek Barnett and, you know, Hall and Sweat. It's, you know, Brandon Graham's a veteran, but he'll still be the number one. It's going to be fun to to know that when somebody's tired, you know, you got to ro- rotate them out because Schwartz loves to rotate fresh bodies to keep everybody fresh all year. That you're the drop in play, you know, you're not getting, you know, an older guy who can only take so many reps. These are like young guys chomping at the bit to just get in there and destroy somebody. When you got the offensive line who's getting beat up play after play by Graham and Barnett, and then you bring in Hall and Sweat and even Vinnie Curry, that's just punishing. These guys are going to bust through the line eventually. And then you got Fletcher, Malik Jackson. Timmy Jernigan, there's so much to look forward to on this defense. And we've talked over and over about the secondary and how over the past, you know, five to seven to ten years, the Eagles secondary has always been the weak spot in the defense. They always get burnt deep. They can't stop anybody. It's third and 17. They give up 25 yards. Darby has been cleared. He's back in 11 on 11s, which is a great sign. But behind him, Razul Douglas, Avante Maddox, and Sidney Jones. The three young corners have been playing out of their minds this preseason. Even in the training camp, the joint practices, these guys look good. And I'm excited because it, it seems like Schwartz has got himself so set on defense that he can put anybody in depending on the matchup. Like Sidney Jones can play in the slot. You know, if they get a a bigger slot, a guy, excuse me, a team with like a bigger slot, then they can rotate like Avante into the slot. They can put Sydney out. There's so many different combinations. And they've been stocking up on veterans in the depth part of that with like Orlando Skandrick. Uh, Jonathan Cyprian is going to make this team as a safety. All these guys with the dreadlocks, man. The Eagles love their dreadlocks. But... Let's get to some of the takeaways I had from the joint practices, and then I'll talk real quick about the preseason week, too. I've been reading and watching the little clips. (laughs) Some guy took statistics on the Ravens, and this shouldn't shock anybody. They ran 80% of their plays as run plays. That's what they're going to do in this season. They're going to run it down your throat. But also... I've watched the Ravens preseason games and I'm someone who's buying stock in Lamar Jackson as a passer. Like I, I just don't like the false narrative that he's a running quarterback and he can't throw the guy's been slinging it and he's got some weapons. I mean, we haven't even seen Hollywood Brown on the field. He's got Willie Sneed. Who's I, I was noticing him in the slot a lot, which can't remember if that's what he played in New Orleans, but he seemed like a great slot receiver for them for what he was 
asked to do in the way they run their offense where you really have to respect the run, <laughs> double check the run, and make sure Lamar's not getting outside. And these guys are just finding holes, whether it's zone or man-to-man. Like, there's so much going on, and they look like they're running a high school offense. But they're finding holes because you're so used to, you know, playing against pro-style defenses, and they come in with, like, three tight ends and a fullback, and you're like, Jesus, what are we playing, Massabesic? Basically. So... It's been really good to see the Eagles going up against such a strong defense, too, on the offensive side. Because from what I've been reading and hearing from the, you know, daily podcasts and whatnot, the Eagles have been running some great, like, red zone plays, and they're getting catches, but the receivers are just not coming down with the ball because Baltimore is so good. You know, the ball's in the guy's hand, but before he comes down, you know, they're swatting it out. They're stripping it out so it's you know incomplete. They're so good at that. And just some things I noted while watching this game. I mean, uh, when I was watching them play the Packers, like that defense is deep. Their second and third stringers are like very talented. So we're gonna be following the Browns this year, right? That's the JPP AFC team. These Ravens are a serious threat to maybe run away with that division. We'll get into some prediction information later on in the podcast, but I think this was a perfect team for the Eagles to do the joint practices with because this is the only live action I want Carson Wentz to see until the season starts, and it's against arguably the best defense in the league. So he's getting some valuable reps you know, he's getting to see, you know, the rapport between his receivers against a defense that, like, wants to kill you on every play. So I thought this was a very productive thing. I almost wish that they would do away with the preseason and just do, like, three joint practices a week for four weeks. Like, pick a team, you know, Eagles, Ravens. They're going to do three Joint practices at Lincoln Financial Field. It's 20 bucks for a ticket per day. Dude, people would eat that up to go watch them, you know, do 11-on-11s. Do little, you know, all their little practices. And then have like a meet and greet with the players after. Would you rather do that? Or would you rather, you know, pay $150 and go to a game where you watch Clayton Thorson throw to... Jim McGillicuddy. <laughs> yeah, I think, the, I mean, the practices thing is is cool. I know uh, Kyle went to go see some of the, the Patriots camp this year down there in Foxborough. But, I mean, they, awesome. they, they, they still have to, uh, you know, still have to fill some of those seats <laughs> for that preseason game. So, I don't know. You pick and choose. I personally would not want to spend money on a preseason game if I'm going to spend money I'd rather watch a game that matters exactly that I mean they could make it so much more of a fan experience and even end up making more money by doing it that way because I mean three straight nights they could do it during the day do it at night whatever but you fill that place you $20 tickets over three nights it's got to be more than 
150 for one night like you know whatever the price is it's probably not 150 but you know what i mean like yeah but just real quickly i watched the eagles jags preseason week 2 game a couple times um some things i took out of this was clayton thorson played a lot better he actually looked like he's played quarterback before i mean he wasn't you know an future pro bowler but he showed the potential that the Eagles saw when they drafted him. He was competent for the most part. Um, Doug was on fire with his challenges. Man, I think he won all three challenges. Some of them, like, there was a... I don't know if you watched the game or not, but... Thorson had a throw to the sideline that looked like it was going to be picked off. I'm pretty sure he was throwing it to one receiver and it sailed over his head. And... Carlton Agadosi, you know, grabbed it on the sideline, toe drag swag, very clearly a catch, and two refs standing right there like, nope, nope, out of bounds, out of bounds. Doug's like, are you shitting me? Here, (laughs) this is a red flag, go pick it up. He won, but he hasn't been shy. You know it's the preseason, they're a little looser with the red flag, but he's been nailing his challenges so that's pretty cool. I hope that carries over. Yeah, I think uh, for the Vikings, like the only thing Zimmer's been challenging has been pass interference. Like he's out here testing the water, seeing what uh yeah what's going to get called how, and how or how they yeah how they make their decisions, you know, or what they base their decisions on. Um, but there were also a couple of challenges in the Vikings game too that um, the the play stands because they didn't have an angle to change the decision. Yep. I was like, you're doing a Sunday night game on Fox. Like, this is how much nobody cares about preseason. Like, they usually, they had a fucking camera on the ref's, like, hat. Like, the <laughs> ref cam. Okay. <laughs> how come they can't get a reverse angle of the sideline? Like, oh, that was really strange to me. All right. So, when we talk about preseason games, we usually talk about, you know, how the teams don't prepare like they do for normal regular season games. They're just running their vanilla offense. Well, Doug really shocked the world because Doug ran a trick play, which was dope. Uh, Wide receiver Greg Ward, who was a college quarterback, now a receiver, looped around the backfield and took a handoff, and then you know, he stopped and threw it downfield, which there was multiple things I saw in this play. First of all, he threw it into double coverage, which is kind of a bonehead move because he had the underneath guy open. But second, I really felt like this was... the hell is that noise? Well, I don't know. I don't hear anything. You didn't hear that beeping noise? Nope. Oh, that freaked me out. <laughs> it was like, doop, doop. It's the FBI listening. FBI, you want to be on the show? We got this thing called Seven on Sevens. <laughs> you have your own episode. I think you're just having uh, PTSD over uh, when we had connectivity issues in the warehouse. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I liked that Doug ran this trick play in the preseason. But I think he also ran this trick play because he wanted to see Greg Ward throw the ball. Knowing he's a former college quarterback... And the fact that he's a fringe roster guy right now, he's on the bubble as like the fifth or sixth receiver. If he could make the team and, you know, 
then that would give Doug something in his pocket, you know, to design something for the future, you know, a la Philly special type. So I thought that was cool that he tried that. And uh, last week, after the first preseason game, we talked a lot about Mark and Michelle, Sony Michelle's brother, who caught the long touchdown from Sudfeld. There were, I counted, five different bubble screen attempts to get him the ball. There was only one completion. Three of them were blown dead for <laughs> false starts. Like oh, man. They were very visibly trying to get him going on bubble screens. Probably kind of like the Greg Ward thing because he's another bubble guy. They want to see, you know, how he reacts in space and like, is this, you know, someone we can use during the regular season? And I could tell he was getting frustrated because there was a couple of them that, you know, if there wasn't the blown dead, like he had daylight in front of him. And the last thing I wanted to talk about, and I really have to get this off my chest from this game was the commentators because I watched this on game pass and on game pass during the preseason, you have to watch the home teams commentate, you know, the home teams broadcast. Yeah. I did not get the guy's names. These guys were so bad. Like they had to have been given a program or something from the Eagles. You know, you know what I mean? Saying who's who. Yeah. He called um, somebody Blake Countess, not on the roster. He called Mac Hollins Shelton Gibson, not on the roster. And then <laughs> there was a holding penalty on Halapulavati Vaitai. Oh, oh, that's he, a mouthful. Yeah, he, he butchered it real bad. <laughs> I saw he, that clip. He called him Hollavidi Vidi Vidi Vidi. And he goes, uh, you want to take a shot at that one to the other guy? And he was like, nope. <laughs> and then there's JJR Sega Whiteside who, okay, side tangent real quick. He's from Spain. I don't know if I went through this last week, but he's from Spain, right? So <laughs> his family is, you know, speaks Spanish. It's and they, his, he says his last name is pronounced Arthega. Thega Whiteside. It's the King's Spanish. My wife taught me about this. The King had a lisp, so everybody, you know, went with it. <laughs> so the C's were Thagath. So he says the proper pronunciation pronunciation is Arthega Whiteside. Well, I can't just say one word with a lisp, so <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I understand if people call me Arsega, it's not gonna offend me, but you know. My family's proper pronunciation is Arthega. It sounds like somebody asking Mike Tyson what he plays Sonic the Hedgehog on. Arthega. <laughs> <laughs> well, he caught a pass, and the guy go- called him J.J. Arseja Whiteside. Well, that's a G, not a J. Yeah, that's, that's real bad. Uh, th- these guys were really bad. And, you know... Ugh. I wanted to talk about the third preseason game, but I just don't want anybody to get hurt. So yeah, right. My stock up, stock down for the combination of these two weeks from the joint practices and week the preseason game to Sua Opeta, who is an offensive guard, undrafted free agent. I'm gonna put this with the Sean Lamont seal of approval. He's gonna make this football team. 
Nate Herbig, who's also an offensive lineman, never played center in his life until two weeks ago. Literally forced into this game at center because Stefan Wisniewski, a veteran who played center for the Jaguars for many years, couldn't snap the ball. And now it looks like Herbig's going to make the roster as possibly the second string center. Uh, just a quick, you know, Deshaun Hall we talked about. He's an animal. But Miles Sanders, I haven't brought up yet. He looked really good. I noted three good runs he had on his short time in the field. He looks explosive. He's exciting with the ball. I do see why people said he had shady traits because the cutback is gross, dude. He had people looking foolish. And then the last one we just talked about, Greg Ward. I hope he makes this team. Some stock down stuff. Matt Pryor, again, led the Eagles in false start penalties. I think he had two this week, two last week. He, he always He's one of those guys who the beat writers and the team praises and practice in training camp, and then he gets in the preseason games, and he just looks like garbage. Like he's his head is in his rear end. And we talked about McCown. I put Sudfeld as a stock down because I think that's bad news for him. As well as Cody Kessler. But then Stefan Wisniewski, who's been a veteran on this team. He started the Super Bowl. He was very valuable that year. He was valuable last year, you know, when people got hurt. I think he's playing his way off the team, though. So so I hope nobody gets hurt this week. That's all I care about. I don't want Doug to risk anybody. I'm pretty I'm like 90% sure that the 53-man roster is pretty close to completed, so I don't think he's going to put anybody who's valuable at risk. So I'll go ahead and shoot this over to you. Let's talk some Vikings real quick. Oh, wait, before I do, did you know this rule? This happened in the Jags-Eagles game. There is a weird kickoff out-of-bounds rule. I did see that. And... I heard on the broadcast that the Jags actually teach this to their players. So if the ball's starting to roll out of bounds and it looks like it may stop just before going out of bounds, if you put one foot out of bounds and then touch the ball, that counts as the ball going out of bounds. So you get the procedure penalty. You get the ball on, what is it, 35? I think it's the 40. 40? That's crazy. That was weird. I, I remember seeing that and I was like, there has to be like some sort of explanation to this. And they go to the rules official and they were like, well, no, that's, that's the way it is. It's like, why don't more people take advantage of that? That seems like that's a huge advantage. That seems like a Bill Belichick thing. Like a, right. Yeah. It's surprising. (laughs) You don't know. It's surprising that I've never seen the Patriots do something like that. Like definitely seems like it was right up his alley. Yeah, so let's let's get to some Vikings talk then, because I got some notes here. I know you got some stuff you want to talk about, or I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, um, hosting the Seattle Seahawks there on Sunday night. Got to watch an actual broadcast of the show, or the show, the uh, the game. So that was nice. Um, you're talking about uh, commentating faux pas early on in the game. Uh, Kyle Rudolph made his only reception. And the guy was just referring to him as <laughs> Stefan Diggs, like the whole time. <laughs> Literally, like he was just talking up Stefan Diggs like crazy. And uh, did, like they literally ran another play. And then finally, somebody like got in his ear and was like, That was Kyle Rudolph, by the way. And he was like, Oh, oh yeah, Kyle Rudolph of that play earlier. My bad. 
So, oops. So even commentators have a preseason <laughs> try and work out uh, a few things. Um, my biggest takeaways from this game that the Vikings wind up winning 25-19 uh, was the quarterbacks all, you know, look pretty good. Um, you know, 80% completion percentage. I think they're, you know, with the the backup guys, it seems like they're just trying to, you know, get them to key in on find the open guy and make the play there. And it's gone really, really well. And with um, with Kirk Cousins, it felt like they kind of wanted to take a few shots with him this week. And that was really fun to see, too, because, you know, there was a, a great throw he had to Thielen down the field that was caught. And then there was another one that ended up being a pass interference, which if, if it's not pass interference, it's probably a touchdown. So, um, so them trying to get Cousins to add a few things to his repertoire, you know, that deep ball, you know, the bootlegs, the scrambling, the things like that. Um, I think getting him out of his comfort zone a little bit will help improve his play uh, this season. Now that he kind of has some understanding of the way that the, the team operates, you know, he's buddy-buddy with these guys a little bit more. I know the offense is, you know, vastly different from what he ran for the majority of last year, but um, it's good for him to get his feet wet doing those sort of things because mm-hmm. – he has to he has to play different, has to play better than he did last year in order for them to have success moving forward. So yeah, um, and you mentioned the quarterbacks. I literally made a note on my notes from the game, and I wrote Cousins as expected because that's that's what you expect him to do in this offense. And then Sean Mannion, I wrote woof, <laughs> <laughs> and then Kyle Sloter, I wrote yep, that's the guy. Because I think Slaughter is going to be the backup. We're going to see what happens with that. Um, and I don't, I mean, I think these last two weeks will definitely, you know, make the decision easier. But for right now, it's still kind of up in the air. Um, you know, their their offense has been really balanced so far. Even this week, they, you know, 35 pass plays, 39 run plays, like, they kind of played the control game a little bit there in the in the second half when they got the lead back, um, so that might add to that a little bit. But I, I still think that this is kind of something that they're going to focus on a lot this season. So maybe not running more than passing every single week, but I think they want to you know establish the run and then let the help their pass game. Um, so good to see again, just solid. Solid balance, you know, good offensive line play. It gives you a gives you some hope moving forward. Even though you played a, a majority of the game against Paxton Lynch on defense, you know their defense it still looks real messy. the The pass rush just isn't there, and Russell Wilson, Paxton Lynch, like those are guys that can get out of the pocket and you know scramble. But it's still they they should be better than they have been. And it seems like whenever they do get pressure, the secondary lets them down, or when the secondary, you know, should should get a co- you know a coverage sack, you know the pass rush is letting them down. So it's like they're they're just off kilter a little bit. Um, there's a you know a couple guys that are coming back. Linval Joseph who's going to help out that defensive front. Um, you know, they haven't really been playing the the 
star cornerbacks, I guess you can call them, at all this preseason. Again, a health thing. Like, I don't mind it, but we'll see how that uh, that translates well, to the, the regular season. That's one thing I noted on all the games that I watched from week two of the preseason. I wrote the same thing for all four games. It's It's so hard to evaluate the players and the production because not all the starters are playing in certain areas and only some starters are, you know, they're mixing, matching third, fourth stringers with the first team defense. And it's so hard to evaluate, like, is my team really this good or is it the other team is just that bad Yeah, or vice versa? And I think offensively when I, like, what I really noticed in the game was them, they were scoring deep in the red zone, which is got to be such a huge point of emphasis for them this season um I don't know how many times last year you get inside the five yard line and you can't make it work yeah they were bottom half of the league weren't they in yeah. red zone scoring and so like for them to you know you look at the touchdowns you get a three-yard pass Irv Smith Jr. catches his first touchdown from Mannion uh Zilstra had a four-yard pass from Sloter and Kari Blasengame their fullback had that one-yard run you made that up yeah um but those, so those, you know, what, three, seven, eight yards, three touchdowns. Like, that has to be something that they do very well this year. And then, you know, defen- defensively lock them down. Like, if you can get a two-touchdown lead with this defense, the way that they their potential is, like, you should be in great shape. But that's exactly it. When you move the ball, like, you need touchdowns instead of field goals. <laughs> like, if you're going to get deep in the deep in the red zone – Think you got to put seven on the board, um, and to your point you just made, you get a two touchdown league, and then you have the battering rams of Dalvin Cook and Madison. Watch out! <laughs> yeah, exactly that. I mean, because Madison has been the highlight of the preseason from my point of view for the Vikings so far. He's out, not just because he's a Boise State boy, but good lord, feed the man because. That guy eats every time he touches the ball. He turns something into nothing, and when he, he does have a something hole, something into no- nothing. You said that backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he gets see? the ball, and they're like, "Oh, there's 50 yards of open field in front of him," and he falls over. <laughs> I've had a whole pumpkin hit. Oops. <laughs> yeah. No, but, man. He's. I don't know about you, but I. My heart absolutely sunk when his knee got twisted up on that oh one play. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Thank they, God he's okay. I don't, like, it was like they called the wrong play or something because it looked so messed up uh, from the get-go. Like, they didn't. It was I think they realized when they, when they snapped it and, they you know, the quarterback kind of looks at Madison and was like, oh, shit, we're in the wrong spot. And they get the handoff and, like. Yeah, he just got rolled up on him, and I saw him grab his shin, and I was like, no. Yep. I was like, yeah. I just talked about this last week. Don't get hurt. <laughs> oh, but it was so good to when they went back and into the broadcast, and they were showing them all set up, and he was in the backfield. I was yep. like, thank I was like, God. Oh. Yeah, I saw his next carry, and I was like, good. Thank you. Jesus. All right, he's okay. Now get him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they did just that. Uh, um. I guess from the rest of the uh, the game, the only thing I really noticed is the special teams is still kind of wonky. Um, like um, BB is the one that's the holder on the kick, uh, the the place kicking now. Don BB's kid. 
Yeah, he's a wide receiver. So they got Chad Beebe back there holding uh, <laughs> holding for the kickers. I was like, oh, interesting. But and then them like putting Vedvik in, and it is Corey, by the way. I don't know how, but <laughs> it's probably the Spanish King's List thing again. Uh, <laughs> either way. Uh, so they bring him in late in the game to like kick an extra point. And I was like, sorry, that's uh, a bit bizarre. I mean, I guess maybe this is, you know, Mike Zimmer playing head games with Dan Bailey or who knows what. But <laughs> Bailey did make his his only field goal attempt, 24 yards. So an extra point, essentially. Um, but yeah, that, you know, and the Vedvik was the punter early on. And then in the fourth quarter, they brought Matt Weil in, who's the guy who cut his hand kicking the ball. Yep. Um, so I just don't like, <laughs> I'm done trying to figure out like what Mike Zimmer's plan is as far as special teams goes. And even then like them, uh, some of their return guys, I just don't, don't think they understand at all how the game's supposed to work. Um, Do you listen at all to the Locked On Vikings podcast? Nope. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, subscribed today because I'm a fan of the Locked On Network for the most part. And the guy was talking about Vedvik, and he said, this is the first time in my <laughs> lifetime that I've ever seen one guy competing for both the punter and the place-kicking <laughs> position uh, yeah like it's not that's completely unheard of it's and, and for incredible. me like doesn't it seem to make way more sense to hire one guy to do both jobs you save a roster spot and money that sounds yeah. great it's not like a ton of money but it's money like, yeah whatever so yeah i was impressed by what he did out there and it's just like it's weird to see somebody go back and forth and do both but hey if you can then why not do it i can It'd be like uh what the hell? Uh, Cordell Stewart slash. There you, you go. Know, yeah. <laughs> just playing every position on the field. Yeah. Like, why not? Hey, uh, real quick. I I wrote down a question I wanted to ask um, you about the Vikings. Watching this game, uh, the running back, Boone, another big play. This time he caught, you know, a pass out of the backfield and took it all the way down inside the 10. He's got, seems like he has good hands. I mean, the week before, he had the 64-yard run play, took it to the house. And my question, I was thinking about this, is Boone making Amir Abdullah expendable? Could he steal his role? I mean, I would say without a doubt. Because um, Abdullah didn't play at all. Yeah, I'm, that was that was interesting Weird. for me that he hadn't played. Um, like I was saying before, um, there's been a lot of talk about the beat writers, the coaching staff, that he was going to be that return specialist guy, and he hasn't been out there. And I don't know if it's just because they don't want him to get blown up, you know, in the preseason. But like, I didn't see him being uh, an actual like running back. Like you're you're going to touch the ball, you know, ten times in this offense kind of guy. And the way that Matt Boone and or Mike Boone, sorry, and uh, Alexander Madison have shown up in the first two weeks of the preseason. Like, there's no reason for you to bring him in there to help, you know, mess with what's going on. Never mind, you're adding Dalvin Cook. So, yeah, I loved I loved Boone, and he was actually 
my stock up, one of my stock up guys, both Boone and Madison, just watching them run the ball. Uh, so much headed monster. Yeah. Man. It's it, like, it's so much fun to watch because it's like they have power. They have some finesse. They have a little shake like Boone. Hands. Boone yeah. Boone put somebody into the ground on that catch, you know, just driving him over and then shook outside and gets inside the five yard line. Um, so I don't know. I think the Vikings have always been really good about having uh, decent, maybe even upper level uh, running backs since I can remember. Yep. And so to see this, it's, that's very good. Very big thumbs up for me because uh, if, again, you're going to establish the run early to help open up the passing game, so you need to have, you know, a lot of guys that you can rotate in there. So, you know, if you start running a guy 30 times a game, you know, there's that higher chance he gets injured. So um, you'll love to see it. Really excited about uh, these young guys at running back. And while we're on the stock up, Kyle Sloter, I thought, played so much better than uh, in week one. And I think he showed up Sean Manning a little bit. That's my personal Definitely. opinion. 100% um, agree with you. <laughs> Mike Zimmer, like, totally shit on that today. Somebody asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, well, he was playing against the bottom of the barrel guys on the defense from the other side, so you can't really say much about that. <laughs> I was like, what a dick. <laughs> All the guy does is make plays. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's that. He's that preseason warrior, like preseason MVP. They kept calling him that. Uh, Kellen Moore was, yeah. So I don't know. It was it was good to see. I I still don't know, or couldn't can't say that I'd be like super confident in either him or Mannion uh, getting thrown into the starting position if something ever happened to Cousins. Because again, they are playing you know second, third string guys for the most part. So. But I liked his decision making uh, more than anything. Really, uh, you know, extend plays a little bit, find the open guy, and um, yeah, threw a touchdown pass. So good for him. I also had uh, Garrett Bradbury, who just looked amazing out there for you know a rookie center in the league. You know, you're the guy who's in charge of everybody else's job at that point. Like you know, you're making the calls on what the blocking scheme's going to be and, you know, what you see when you walk up to the line. And just watching him just hammer down a guy and then run over and try to help somebody else out. Like, there was a couple of Madison runs where he, he like, blocked three guys in one play, and I was just like... like yeah, he gets to the second level from? quick. Yeah, it's crazy. So nice to see. It was just, like, offensive line troubles <laughs> for the Vikings forever. So to see a really young guy come in and shine early on, oh... You just hope he stays healthy and he's going to be here for a long time because that looks real good. Also stock up from uh, the offense. Notice I didn't really have any stock up on defense. I will talk about one guy. but um, Brandon Zilstra and Laquan Treadwell. Uh, the two of those guys, I think, really stepped up in the receiving game. Um, Treadwell, it almost feels to me like he, uh, they're they're just targeting him to try and make him shine a little bit. So maybe oh, yeah. somebody will be interested in a trade. <laughs> He's trying to put something on tape for his next yeah. job. But um, yeah, 
four receptions on four targets. Where was that last year, dipshit? (laughs) But Zilster, again, same thing. Five catches on five targets, had a touchdown. Um, You really, if you're you're looking at this wide receiver core right now, um, you know, you're trying to trying to make your way onto the roster at this point. And I think Zilstra had a bad first week, and this week kind of made himself look a little better, you know, running crisp routes and getting open. Um, you, you just like to see it from, you know, potential number three, number four receiver. So those were good. My last stock up, the only one on defense, was uh, J. Ron Curse. That guy was all over the place in that game. Um, they Von Course's nephew, right? Might be. I don't know. I think it is. But they uh, they've kind of given him a new um, a new role this year because he was like a nickel dime back last year, and now they're kind of bringing him down as like an outside linebacker type, and he he almost kind of gets that same Harrison Smith role, and it's really nice to see him like just flying all over the place or dropping back into coverage and uh, defending passes. I think he actually had a couple of pass deflections uh, in the in the coverage game. But, yeah, he, he was on blitzes. He's, you know, getting uh, making tackles behind the line. Uh, real good to see from a guy that um, was just kind of a who's who of the depth chart last year. And now they've kind of given him an identity, and I think he's embracing it. So that was, that was really cool to watch. As far as stock downs go, my man B.C. Johnson. I don't know what happened, but he was targeted once, didn't make a single catch. Yeah, that uh, ball was not catchable either. Nope. Uh, goes along with Sean Mannion, who was also on my stock down list. Uh, questionable decisions like... You know, the the stat line's not terrible. He's 11 of 14, but only for 88 yards. He also threw an interception, which was terrible. Ugly. Um, I don't know what happened there, if they're crossed up. And I think a lot of it was just the pressure got to him, and he saw, I think it was BB that was running the route. And uh, I think he just, like, in the moment saw the pressure, saw B.B. running, was like, oh, I'm going to hit him in stride. And then B.B. pulled up and put his hands up, and the ball's way behind him. And literally the guy picked it off and uh, took it to the house. And B.B. was just standing there, and he's like, what's going on? And then he realized everybody's running after the guy. I was like, oh, shit. He's looking all around like, what the fuck? Yeah, so um, not a good look. But also Jeff Bidette. It's actually Bidette. It's not Bidet. So, Jeff the toilet. Yeah, no, that's a sad, sad moment for me. That it's just bedet, not as fun to say. Um, did you see this punt return that he made? Yes. <laughs> Literally, beautiful hang time on this punt, and he just covers under it. And I can't for the life of me remember the, the guy's name on the Seahawks that made the tackle, but he uh, timed it absolutely perfectly. And it was like as soon as Bedette catches the ball. Uh, he just got run over. I don't know how he hung on to the ball either. That was absolutely insane. But, um, yeah, not really doing much there on the uh, – as far as the receivers are concerned. Um, you know, you have one catch. Uh, he's basically like the sixth guy on the wide receiver depth chart at this point. 
third on Diggs' side. So not good. He also left practice with an apparent injury today. So, yeah, it's might be coming to the, the last days of uh, Jeff the Toilet as a Minnesota Viking. <laughs> and let's also talk about someone I, that I don't know how you can bring your stock down any farther than it already is, but Holton Hill, my God, absolutely lights up Paxton Lynch with a helmet-to-helmet hit as Lynch is trying to slide, um, gets thrown out of the game, probably going to be, you know, another fine, like, without a doubt. Yeah, he's having at least a game tacked on, too. So he's already suspended. He's what, already eight? suspended for eight games for two failed drug tests. That's gonna cost him a little over a quarter million dollars just for those suspensions. Fucking idiot. <laughs> and now you're have and now you have this on your plate. So like as it stands right now, even if he was to make the team, he's not available to play until November. Like that's not good. If uh, the just the hit in itself, it was a blatant dirty hit, like he lowered his helmet and speared Paxton Lynch right in the head. There was, I mean, I've seen the play like four or five times. I watched the game. There's no way there wasn't bad intentions. He was trying to kill that guy. Well, I mean, Lynch is just one of those like obscurely tall quarterback. What is it, like six, seven or something like that? And it's something like, like if, I mean, you're seeing more and more of these taller quarterbacks that have the ability to run now which was never, like, normally the thing was, like, if you got, like, a Drew Bledsoe who was 6'4", 6'5", like, he was just a stand in the pocket and sling it down the field type of guy. And now these guys got wheels. And so, um, it's, I mean, it's hard to time. And especially, like, it looked like Lynch, like, slid, you know, his slide was really late. And it kind of sucks for being these these cornerbacks. Like, so, you you know, you're only allowed to hit quarterbacks in certain areas. And then they come out and they start as runners. So you get like super excited and you go to try to make a play and the guy pulls up like the quarterbacks kind of have it both ways. You know what I mean? Yep. It's so it's. But also in that play, like Hill's got to be smarter. The guy's sliding. All you got to do is like touch him. Like, you know what I mean? Just I mean, he lowered his head and just speared the guy like God. All you had to do was touch him. You didn't have to try to take his head off. He was even if the slide was late. You still, he's sliding. Touch him. Lay on top of him. You can't lead with your helmet at his no, head and neck it, area. It, and you can tell that he's not, um, he wasn't in the right mindset um, during that play because after it happened, he, like, gets up and he starts, like, celebrating. Like, yep. he just made a yeah. great play and, like, didn't really realize, like, what had just happened. So, uh, yeah, gets thrown out of the game. Um, I mean, complete bonehead play. So, bad news for Holton Hill. As we look ahead, though, to the week three preseason game, they're going to be hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh. Kyler in the house. Yes. Uh, um, for me, nope, really, play. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of what you said before, you know, just the I hope nobody gets hurt <laughs> scenario because um, they're going to continue this backup quarterback race. And for me, like, I'm completely fine with no more Kirk Cousins for the rest of the preseason. I don't know how the coaching staff feels about that, but I'd be fine. Um, Again, 
you're going to, like, I don't know if they're going to continue to make Madison and Boone, like, you know, the workhorses of the offense the rest of the preseason. But I don't want those guys to get hurt either. So That's maybe true. it's time yeah. you, you start seeing some new names uh, show up here and there. Um, but for me, as far as offense goes, just like, just don't put the starters out there anymore. It's completely unnecessary, and we don't need to uh, don't need to have an injury, you know, bite us at this point. Like we've been lucky enough so far, and we're starting to get some guys back. Like, all right, here we go. Time to buckle down and just put the guys in there that are trying to make the roster. Yeah, um, and it's kind of crazy that we're at this point now. This is only week three of the preseason. Usually, we're at this point at week four. We're like, all right, we don't need to see these guys at all. It, yeah. there's, this is like serious trend that's developing in the NFL where teams aren't willing to risk their you know big-name quarterback, their starters, in the preseason anymore. And the NFL is going to have to do something with these preseason games, whether they want to cut it down to two. I mean... There's always the talk, too, of the, you know, extending the regular season. You make it a 16-game season instead. I would rather see them play two more meaningful games in two less preseason games if that was the reason. Like, I know the players don't want to play another two games, but, you know, if that's the trade-off, hell yeah, why not? From a fan's perspective, yes, absolutely. And this is the podcast for fans by fans. The uh, last thing that I want to see, uh, or I guess the other thing that I want to see, not the last thing. The last thing I want to see is somebody get hurt. I just said that. Uh, but the other thing I'm looking for is, you know, can this defense finally put it all together? Uh, and especially against an offense that kind of struggled, uh, especially from a starter perspective. Kyler Murray has been a mess so far in this preseason. Um, he's got like a 42 quarterback rating. Like, they got their big upside uh, last week was Brett Hundley, former uh, Green Bay quarterback. Uh, he, was, he was like the bright spot for that, that entire team. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that they had like any sort of uh, amount of offense at all. So for a team that's still kind of struggling to find their identity, I think this is an opportunity for the defense to kind of be like, all right, this is what we want to do. We have the upper hand and, Let's go out there and show them what we're made of. Like, this is what Vikings defense should look like. And so they need to get back to that identity. Um, and you really like to see it happen at least once before the regular season kicks off. Because once uh, the beginning of that schedule is not easy. So if your defense is struggling, then you better hope your offense is killing it. Otherwise, you're going to be in some trouble. True. All right. So. At this point, we were going to get into some Packers and we were going to get into some Browns talk because, you know, the Browns are the JPP AFC team of the year. But I think we're going to have to hold off, maybe do another episode before the week's over just to talk about them. Maybe I can get Steven on Me and Steven can go through them. Yes, but I, I did want to throw this out here because next week's show, we are not going to cover week four of the preseason there's no need for us to talk about it. It's you know, really just a formality. So next week, we are going to do our second annual NFL season prediction show for the 2019-2020 season. We're going to do our division winners, award winners. Uh, maybe if we have time, we'll look back at last year's predictions and laugh at how incredibly bad they were. 
I know Soup, this was before you were with us, so it would it was just me and Steven last year, so it'll be great to have your thoughts on rookies of the year, defensive players of the year, such, 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 and such. Mm-hmm. But also next week, we are gonna unveil the season pick'em. What the rules and regulations and stipulations will have in place. And we're gonna dunk somebody in mustard glue and stick them <laughs> on my barn. I have Mu- mustard glue. <laughs> something I just created. Um, but you know, f the preseason, right? Who cares? A- but you know, so that'll do it. Next week we'll talk predictions. We'll do the pick'em stuff. It'll be all good. What's your favorite team? Oh. Oh, you're Mine? a Chief, Chiefs fan? Oh, you want to be on the show, Chiefs fan? All you got to do is hit us up on Twitter, at Joint Practices. Tell us you want to come on our podcast and talk about your favorite team, whatever it would be. We have a little segment we call Seven on Sevens, seven questions about your fandom and your team. And then we'll throw seven random questions about non-football stuff just to spice it up. You want your own episode of the Joint Practices podcast? You can have it. Just hit us up at Joint Practices or email us jointpracticespod at gmail.com. We'll set it up. We'll get your own episode. It's fun. It's a good way to switch it up. And, you know, a lot of these guys, you guys, fans, who like to call sports radio, sports talk radio, you know, you get on there for a minute. If they don't like what you have to say, they hang up on you. Not here. We'll let you talk about your team. Tell us why you're good. Tell us why our teams are bad. It's all in good fun. We all love football. That's why we have this podcast. So hit us up. Or you can just hit me, Steve, or Steven up. I'm at 11thegoat. That's 11 spelled out. At JPP And soup at the knock says. Hit any of us up. We'd like to have you on the show. Yeah, for anybody listening... uh Please, you know, go ahead, give us a nice little rating, maybe even a review. Please subscribe and share with your friends. Very important. Um, your subscription just gets you a notification every time that we uh, upload a new podcast. So, um, unfortunately, due to uh, some reasons out of our control, there's no longer the Beam Pod thing. So, uh, sad to see it go, but. It might have run its course already, so. <laughs> and we'll have to double check because I don't know if the podcast is no longer going to be posted on Podbean, but at this point, it looks like we're no longer hosted by Podbean. When I get Steven on here, he'll give you guys the details because it's some kind of crazy stuff going on with the pod. We're moving up in the world. It's kind of fun. Interesting. I'll let Steven come on and break that news to you guys and really explain it. But, you know, whatever service you're listening to us on, just rate, review, subscribe. It all goes a long way in helping us get to new fans. Hopefully get you guys that are listening on our show. So if you are listening and you do want to tweet us. Talk to you, Granny Larson. Just use the hashtag preseason blah, E-L-A-H, preseason blah. That's what it's been so far. Just blah. But that's kind of how we wanted it because we don't want anybody to get hurt. Blah, 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 blah. So preseason blah. Hashtag preseason blah. Let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. And with that being said, now it's time to pay the price. Shout out to Tim Tracker. (laughs) 
I'd buy that for a dollar. Flag is flag, baby. Skull Vikings. Yeah.